mindfulness mode. That is where the beauty, the power, your power lies. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. My guest today, Mindful Tribe, was an orthodontist in Florida for over 27 years. And then something tragic happened. It was it was the nearby school shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School. And at that point, she had a sense that her life was about to change. And she was right. She transitioned to a place where she was able to use her many skills, including that as a Reiki master, emotional freedom technique expert. She was interested in uh, Qigong, in Feng Shui, meditation. She was able to use all her skills and she dedicated her life to igniting a massive shift in human consciousness. She introduced divine trust as a path to healing for so many who were suffering and she was able to help them in profound ways. She's now absolutely certain that there's a divine presence that wants everyone to know it and trust it. And in her new book, Divine Trust, a practical guide to end suffering and find your way home, she lays out a blueprint that anyone can easily follow to achieve this incredible state of divine bliss and trust for themselves and and thereby achieve freedom from suffering. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview today with Dr. Nancy Wiley. So here we are. I'm sitting here with Dr. Nancy Wiley. Dr. Wiley, what does mindfulness mean to you? But I, I love this question and, you know, for the longest time, I'm all about meditation and the end result of meditation is to be the definition of mindful in every moment. So to me, it's being present and aware of who you are in this moment. It, it's, it can be just as, okay, as I'm doing this, I'm bringing all my attention into doing that one activity but I like it even deeper. I like it to be aware of who I am doing that activity. So it all goes back to the studying of really who we are and what we're made of and then bringing that into the moment. I like that. So Dr. Nancy, would you say you're in mindfulness mode today? Yeah, I'm human. I mean, I... I am at this moment, I am 100% conscious, so yes. But I do have times where I fall out and that is the human condition and to just love yourself no matter what and realize, yeah, it's okay. But then just when you can be aware, come back to the present moment being all of who you are in this moment. Sometimes that's so true. It's so difficult <laughs> to just say, well, it's okay that I'm not okay right now. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to get through this. <laughs> yes, yes, but it's humanity. I mean, that is why we're here. And to just love ourselves no matter what yeah. and be okay with that. It's That's the hard thing to teach yourself. <laughs> Self-love and to love yourself no matter what. And kind of laugh, laugh, not at yourself, but just laugh. You know, and that humor, that lightness brings just a levity and an ability to forgive yourself and be right back here in the present moment. So it's like a yeah, full circle. Sure. I just yeah, went for full, sure. full circle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I often say, I say this to my son, I say it to other people, I don't think we laugh enough. Let's laugh. <laughs> yes. I love laughter. So healing. Oh, it mm. is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Well, 
you have done a lot of interesting things, but putting together this book mm. filled with compassion, mm. that's one of the things that I that I loved right away mm. is how much compassion there is in this book. Was that something that you started off with as a deliberate attempt to include compassion, or is it just because that's who you are? So I was inspired to write that book. I just felt it needed to come out. It just, and, and it just, it unfolded in glorious, miraculous ways. Like I never expected it. I'm working in my office um, on the day of February 14th, 2018. My mom had just passed. We had our funeral mm. the Friday before. And I felt like through the state of trust, which is a very specific state, which I can explain later, but I felt like I could navigate this this existence and as human form and living the human experience no matter what. And I saw my dad suffering, my sister, my um, my brother all suffering the passing of my mother, me taking it completely with um, love and understanding and acceptance, mm -hmm. which is one of the parts of the state of trust. And then sitting five days later, working on patients a mile and a half from the from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, and a mom standing next to me exclaimed, there's an active shooter at Douglas. And we all went, and then we heard sirens and helicopters. And oh my goodness, we just, we were getting calls from patients that were in it. Um, wow. it, it's, it was just, you can imagine. And then to see the aftermath six, six weeks afterwards, really no one came into the office, but I want to tell you about m my experience of it. So I was way out of sorts with everything and feeling really undone at the seams. Um, and I would say I suffered through five days of this. And finally, I said to myself, I've got to get a hold of myself. I didn't meditate that whole time. And I'm a big meditator. I've been meditating mm -hmm. for 45 years. I started when I was in high school. So um, I sat down in meditation and I asked the creator, why does this happen? If everything serves a light and I believe and trust in you and you're all your goodness and benevolence, Why? Tell me why. I, I mean, I can't, the human mind cannot fathom how this could happen, right? Yeah. So I, I probably did about a two-hour meditation. I didn't come out of it because I was from almost from the minute of the intention to find out why this happens. I got pulled into some sort of a beautiful vortex where I was held and supported and loved and nourished. And I got answers. Why does this happen? And how... From our human mind, we're not able to really process it, but from the perspective of the divine, you can see how it does serve evolution. I mean, it sounds horrific to say, but from the creator's viewpoint, everything serves light and everything is moving towards an expansive, a better, a better place for all, all things. And we as the divine were part of that. So I got answers and that's what the book was about. I came out of it realizing I no longer suffer no matter what. And I thought, wow, this could really be helpful. But at the time I was still an orthodontist working with patients, didn't really have time, didn't even see how 
I could help. I longed to help. I knew the information was supposed to help, but I just didn't know in what capacity. Then the kids started committing suicide. And at the time I had a patient who was a psychiatrist or psychologist. And he said to me, you'll watch, they're going to start committing suicide. I said, I don't understand why. I don't understand it. They're alive. They're okay. They're not the ones that lost their lives. And he said, well, it's something called survivor's guilt and severe anxiety. So I started watching and it was very hush hush. They did not really promote it. But then one day, I guess four people had attempted in within a two week span, two of were successful. They decided to have a um, community meeting with all the leaders, all the doctors, and I heard about it. So I attended. And then they said to me, well, you're an orthodontist, you can't, you're, it's not your wheelhouse. So I went back to my practice. I saw all this blank stare in, in all these patients' eyes, like something was missing from them. And that's post-traumatic stress. They're mm-hmm. severely you know, traumatized by what they saw and experienced, and it affects them in a very drastic way. So that was when, same exact time in, in January, right before my back, before the shooting, my back started bothering me. And then I found out I have 17 bulging discs and four frank herniations. And whenever I would lean over patients, it was actually hurting my body further. So you know what I said? I trust. I trust that I don't know why this is happening to me, but I trust that I'm meant to do something else. I put my practice up for sale. It sold almost right away. Then COVID kind of put a kibosh on the deal a little bit, but it went through and Mm -hmm. you you won't believe this, but when I'm leaving my practice, I transitioned to the new doctor and four days after my last day seeing patients, I had simultaneously booked an oceanfront condominium for a month so I could just decompress and process things. And I timed it with the spiritual retreat that was four days. So my intention for this spiritual retreat, which was four days after my last day of seeing patients, was I get my next divine assignment. No clue what it was. Just stepped out into the void with using my book, everything that was going to be in my book of trusting in this divine source that everything unfolds perfectly. And if we just relax and allow and don't push or control it, we just step out and trust one step at a time that magic happens. So I'm in this retreat on my first day, I'm in a process which each day there would be different teachers with different processes, usually a meditative process. And I hear the words, you're going to write a book on trust. And I said to it, oh, my God, why me? I'm a scientist and writing is my weakest point. Why would you pick me? So I argued with it. Day two, another process, another teacher. You're going to write a book on trust. We've been teaching you this. You know, it's your go to. You know, it's your come from. You're going to write a book for us on trust and it's going to help the world. So day two, I'm like, well, I know where it's coming from. Uh, Who am I to argue with it? I'm just going to sit with it. Day three, nothing, nothing came through. So I'm like, okay. And that's okay too. Sometimes there's very few times, but it's sometimes in a meditation, I get nothing. 
And I'm okay with it. You got to be okay with it because usually I have bells and whistles and fireworks and glorious um, exalted states. Day three, nothing. So I'm okay, fine. Day four, oh my goodness. This was so far, it came through so clear. You're going to write a book on trust. Here are your chapters. Get up and write this down. So I got up out of the meditation. I wrote the, and it outlined the book. Then something, my, my father got sick on the very, the very next day and he ended up dying. And I didn't end up starting to write the book for a month later on the day he died. Because I said, if you can write a book about trusting in the divine the day when your parents dies, that really shows that you're committed to it. So I wrote the book. The book wrote, its, wrote itself in five days. So that's the story of the book. And I can't take credit for a lot of in there. It just flowed through me. I was, it's inspired um, and, and divine, divinely inspired. Wow. Well, it certainly inspired me. I'll tell you that much. And so then you put the book out and did you have to do a lot of promotion? How did you, how did you move forward with the promotion of the book? Well, that's great. So I, that's a really great question. So Bruce, what I did is I, I didn't try to push or control anything. I said, how do you want this market? How, how is this supposed to get out? And it showed me a picture of the planet and it actually was lighting up like two thirds of the planet. There was still a portion that's dark, but two thirds to three quarters of the planet light up with this knowledge. And it's igniting a massive shift in human consciousness. That's what it told me what it wanted to do. And I'm just the mouthpiece for it, the spokesman, the vehicle through which it flows. Um, so I said, what do you want to do? So it showed me specific things. I got to do podcasting. I thought that um, the transmission just of our, your questions being on this platform and the the vibration of what comes out the mouth and is flowed out into the environment is one really, probably the most important way is the vibration that is coming out, the words that are flowing out because I surrender every morning before I get out of bed to be the vehicle through which it flows. Wow. So you're part of it. You're a big part <laughs> of it, Bruce. Wow. <laughs> Well, it's it's certainly incredible. And I was looking through some of the reviews and someone said, you know, this book has had the most influence on me since I read Eckhart Tolle's The Power mm -hmm. of Now. Mm -hmm. And is that a book that you would say has influenced you? Absolutely. I mean, I, I would say, okay, the culmination of what comes through me, which goes into me is maybe thousands of teachers or courses I've listened to. I've read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle twice. The first time I didn't get it. Second time I did. So as we mature spiritually, um, I think we, it be, we become ripe to accept the knowledge in the book. And I'm sure if I read it again, I get even more out of it. That's the way it goes you know, for me anyway, I get more and more as I get, as I become deeper and deeper and surrendered to this energy. Um, Eckhart is certainly a being that's surrendered and flows this energy as well. Yes. Yes. One of the things is that I saw your book and it's it's not long. Mm -mm. And, and I thought, okay, <laughs> it won't take me long to read through this book. But that was not exactly true because there was so much 
on every page and there was so much thought and I could just stop at any one point and just allow myself to sit with the thoughts that you had presented. So it doesn't necessarily uh, hit me as a book where I'm just going to whip through it and that's it. It's a book that you can spend a lot of time with this book. I'm sure you've had that feedback from some of your readers. Oh, oh it well, absolutely. It's It gets deeper and deeper every time you do it. And it also comes with companion meditations and instructions that the more you do it, the deeper and deeper and deeper you go and to feeling this energy state, which is so safe. And I mean, it would be so great for your work with bullying, Bruce, where, you know, to to have people feel safe and held and supported and carried and nourished it it is just so deep and to me it's a foundational work where for years i i came at things above this like um love and you know coming through like different areas and i didn't have the actual trust in seeing this energy but once you see it and know it and come to commune with it and have this one-on-one and see for sure it's 100% real and true and so it's concrete but not in like the concrete type of way but it's so real and when you see that you you have a more firm foothold or basis of which to build your your knowingness your spirituality so it's super deep, the book. I know it's short. It wants to be short. It wants, you know, to be non-intimidating. Some books are like 500 pages long, 300 pages long. And this one is meant to be experienced. So not just read with the mind, because, you know, I know mindfulness says mind, but um, there's two ways human beings come and approach uh, the world. And I would say at least 98% of us are trained to work from our mind or our left brain. And that's not being present in the moment. That's not really mindfulness, even though it's called the mind, like meaning mindfulness. It's the exact opposite because you're usually in the past or in the future worried about something. You are not in the present moment. Whereas mindfulness is being present in the present moment. And that is using your consciousness as you're come from. So more of a left brain type of way of being present in the moment where your mind actually is the divine tool. It's meant to be, and it's not in the past or in the future. You're here now in the present moment. Yeah, your mind is definitely the divine tool. I like like the way you've put that. Can you tell us about some feedback that you received once you did put the book out there for the universe? Um, feedback from humans or yes, humans. Um, well, my friends loved it. Um, and a lot of, if you go on and read the reviews, I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. So I'm getting great feedback from it. I would love to have someone say like, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. Cause it would help me be better. It helped me figure out how are we going to touch the masses? So I've been on this path for 45 years and I've gone this way and that way. I I started out with transcendental meditation with no seeming, you know, effect on my abilities. 
maybe a little bit psychic started coming in where I never had any of that ability before. But um, I tried Holosync with the brain, trying to use science. You know, Holosync is where they try to do brainwave entrainment to get you to the Buddhist monks like within years. I tried that for eight years. And I'm sitting here going, hmm, when am I going to have a good experience? (laughs) Like, this is so ho-hum and boring. What's up with this? And then I found my favorite teacher. And I've tried very, very many, oh my gosh, every type of meditation you can imagine and way. I found Jetta Mali. And I found her through Learning Strategies, which is a really beautiful company. But she was just getting her start. And she did a 20-week course. And then another 12 weeks or 15 weeks after that. And then I started studying mentoring with her. Mm -hmm. And wow, that, I mean, still, those are the most treasured. They make the biggest shifts. And almost from the first meditation with her, I had bells and whistles all the time, every single meditation. I just felt I was going deeper and deeper and deeper. So back to the book. I'm getting great reason, you know, great um feedback it's just been out since um march 30th so we're just making we're just getting our impact but people who are reading it are loving it and what about non-human feedback (laughs) well it's an entity and it shows me it flies with like angel wings and um if if you ever read the book power versus force by dr david hawkins have you ever heard of that yes i have it calibrates at a thousand on that scale. So if my calibration abilities are accurate, it's a divine entity on this planet right now. So it will take off and it will it will make the difference it was meant to made make. So. Well, I'm interested in you as a child, as a mm-hmm. seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Were you a child that someone might have thought, oh, someday she will be a great influence to people and help them in a divine way. Do you think that was no, this, no not at all? Not, not at all. I, in fact, I was, um, I was completely opposite. I was absorbed by building my left brain. Uh, I, I love horses and all I wanted was to have a horse and I would think about it day and night. And eventually, when I was 12, a lady gave me her horse. She had cancer. She wasn't. She was very well-to-do. Mm-hmm. She gave me her beautiful horse. Oh, my God. He was fantastic. And he was perfect for me at the time. But then I quickly outgrew his abilities because I just love horses. Mm-hmm. So I became interested in coming down this um, path for enlightenment when I was given a book called um, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy, which kind of told me how I I created this horse, how this horse came into my life. Yes. And I was like, man, I manifested because I, I did nothing but daydream about having a horse my whole life since I was four years old. And once she gave it to me and I enjoyed the heck out of it, so perfect for me. I could go under his belt. I got him when I was 12. So little kid having a horse, but he was just fantastic. And um, yeah, he took me up the ladder, but I'm like, how did, you know, this is kind of crazy. I, who, who gets willed a horse? Who gets given a horse like that right out of thin air? Yeah, it doesn't happen like, often. No. So that was my first like thought. And I remember at 12, like, 
I am so lucky. How did I get so lucky? And then I got the book when I was like 16. I saw that, oh, I created it. Then right, that's exactly when my mom took me to learn transcendental meditation. So now I'm 16, I'm getting this mind altering book. I'm learning to meditate. And yet my prime objective was to become wealthy enough to be able to afford horses because they're very expensive. And I just wanted to be a horse trainer. My mom said, you're too smart. You got to use your brain. So I went to use my brain to become, you know, something along the medical field. And I just put all my energy into that and developing the left brain, completely the opposite of where, where I'm sitting right now, left brain. If you can't see it, you can't scientifically reproduce it and prove it. It's not real. So that was like completely opposite of what I'm doing right now. It's completely opposite, except if you follow quantum physics or the quantum realm, it explains everything. It explains, yes. you know, all, all of what's happened in my life and this trust and this, this source that's hosting all life, all energy. It is the quantum realm. It is the zero point. And that is where my meditation and all of that has taken me to that beautiful, rich world. And it's so much more rich than my left brain allows me to well, see. I'm so glad I asked this question because I've had people on the show who have told me that they believe that horses are one of the most mindful creatures there are. I, you know, I would say, why, why do I like horses so much? Why? What's it about them? And I'm like, it's God incarnate. Yes. There's something magical about a horse. Now, I love my dog. I, I could not imagine a life without a dog, but it's not the same as a horse. And the beast is so big. And it's mm -hmm. something about the connection with the big beast that looks like God incarnate. That is the magic. And I do find their healing. I, I have a special needs daughter who... Um, I was told she'll never walk or talk. She does. Um, but I had her riding, um, doing therapeutic riding when she was four, starting at four mm -hmm. so that, you know, she could experience the healing. She loves horses. So that's something in the future I think we'll, we'll do or I'll have her do because of the healing aspect to the horse. Wow. Yeah. Well, every morning I, when I go for my run, there is a field of horses beside where I run and, and I feel their presence and mm -hmm. like, there's just something about the vibrational presence of those horses that are there that I feel like we're connecting mm -hmm. and I'm, it's not that I'm a horse person, but I do feel the connection. Mm, I, I, I can't explain it when I can explain it, I will be able to verbalize it better. I just don't know the connection. I just know there is this main connection. So that's how I got interested in becoming a doctor and going down the left brain is the left brain developing it for the medical. I became an orthodontist. I went to Columbia university first got up master's in nutrition from them, then my dental degree, then my orthodontic certificate, and then a couple other things afterwards. But um, that was completely opposite. Because if you can't reproduce it, see it here and quantify it scientifically, not real. And that's where a lot of scientists still are. They believe what if, if they were listening to me right now, I think very many of them would think I'm a whack job or something else 
But wait, they're telling me that that's why I've been chosen for this message is because of this. They've told me that for a long time. People will believe me because of my six degrees, my six degrees and certificates. It brings an authenticity that will 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 break through. So that's that's kind of where we're at. And you feel it. You know we're breaking yes, through. I do. Yeah. You know I do. it. Mm-hmm. Dr. Nancy, your website is trust thedivine.com and uh, so mindful tribe check out the website trustthedivine.com but definitely check out the book divine trust i highly recommend it it's a wonderful book and as we move forward in the in the interview i want to ask you a question about bullying you know i work in that field do you have a story about bullying of any kind whether it's from adulthood or childhood that you can share with us (laughs) I, uh, yes, I do. I, I've never shared this publicly. My family knows it, but in sixth grade, I grew up in a, in a beautiful city called Columbia, Maryland, where they bust in people from the inner city of Baltimore. And having no exposure of that, um, there was a gang of girls picking on a little friend of mine, and I was tall for my age. And I had no clue what was going on. I just like, you know, pick on someone your own size. Oh, they picked on me. But they were brutal. They they were so brutal. There was about 10 of them. And they would find me in the halls. They would wait for me after the, for the bus and the bus line beat me up. This is sixth grade. Horrible. And I didn't want to go to school. And I couldn't tell my mom. I, like they told, if I said any told anyone I would get beat up more and they'd hurt my family. Well, the only thing that saved me, I had no clue. I had not gone down this journey at all. But one of, there were two gang leaders. One shot her boyfriend in sixth grade. She got put away and the other one became pregnant and she got sent to a juvenile home and it broke up the gang. So there was peace in there. Um, but yeah, I was so bullied. And I had no clue because I was coming from peace and respect and Mm self-respect. But that kind of made my reality, turned it upside down because I was, I would, I almost didn't want to live at that point. So, yeah. And you couldn't really say it because it sounded so ridiculous. Sixth graders, you'd be afraid for your life. And when, when they, Somehow one of them got a gun and shot her boyfriend at sixth grade. You know, that's 12 years old. Yeah. 12 years old. So um, just because the gang broke up, I'm here today, or I probably wouldn't be. They probably would have hurt me in a in a, a much more profound way. But I made yeah. it through and I recovered, although I still remember it. But um, I, I do think there are bullies. And... And I thought, like, if you do a res- retrospective um, look at your life and you're brutally honest, you say, okay, well, where did that vibration come from? Where did I see that before this? Because it doesn't, 12 year old is already old. Where did I see that before that? And then I found different things through the light of consciousness and introspective. And once I found the maturity and ability to go into my inner life, with my full consciousness and love and acceptance of everything, I found how it started when I was two years old on my second birthday. 
Oh. Yeah. Started. I, I mean, it's a, we all have core wounds. I'm saying every single human does. That's part of the human condition. Yeah, but when on my second birthday, my grandfather held me on his lap and ha- made me watch um, a horror movie with Michael Landon. And it was I was a teenage werewolf. And he made mm. me watch that movie. It was my second birthday. And I remember every single thing, including that whole day and everything from my second birthday forward, because it was such a traumatic experience. And my dad was sitting there next to me. My mom was in the kitchen with my grandmother. But my dad didn't do anything to help me. And my grandfather said, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. And I couldn't get away. I couldn't get away from him. He was holding me, making me watch the movie. Oh, wow. That's horrible. And so that's the vibration that set up. And then I could see different points in my life where that vibration actually came in and out. So with the love of consciousness, going in and standing with love and light and looking at it and forgiving him. He didn't know what he was doing, right? Forgiving everything else that came afterwards, forgiving those girls and with light and love. It just, the techniques that I teach melt everything in its path. It works for every single thing, every single trauma and meant to work and help the Parkland shooting um, students who have, have lived through that event and help them to with the power of my light help them yeah wow wow thanks for sharing all that i really appreciate it i want to ask you five quick answer questions Mm -hmm. dr nancy and so 30 second answers are perfect the first one is this who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life it's jetta molly she's the one who started this she's the one that really really brought it into fruition in reality it made what you heard about real right right how has mindfulness affected your emotions or how you deal with your emotions oh that's such a beautiful question. So mindfulness brings me right here into the present moment with the light of my consciousness, which dissolves whatever anxiety is there that I choose to bring into it and look at it with the light of consciousness in the present moment. So being mindful of it, loving it, choosing to bring light to it. Mm, that makes that sense. Is- Yeah, that totally makes sense. My third question is about breathing, and you've touched on breathing already. Can you sum it up and just tell us a little bit about breathing and the importance of it in your life? Oh, gosh. Okay, so if you're not breathing, you're not in the present moment. And when you're in the past or the future, you're usually holding your breath. It's breathing, becoming present with breath. Breath is God. God is breath in the present moment. It's critical. It's foundational. It is a must being breathed in that present moment. Mindfulness, all one in the same. Yes. You've talked about different authors that have mm-hmm. influenced you. Is there a book that comes to mind that you would um, share with us? Oh, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda's um, autobiography of a yogi, super mind expanding if we could get that like a required reading for our young, oh my gosh, it would lead, it would it would plant the seeds that could do exactly what happened with me, and what happened with um, oh who's the founder of Apple, 
who's that? Was uh, Joe Steve Jobs? Steve. It's yeah. the only. It's the only book he had on his phone. The power of our um, autobiography of a yogi. It's right. that powerful. Wow. Wow. Yes, mindful tribe. Get that book. Mm -hmm. Read that book as well. And my last question is about an app. Are there any apps that you ever recommend or that you use that can help with mindfulness? There's, there is one on Jetta Molly's site. It's called Intelligent Life. She has an app that you actually plot where you are in your spiritual development. Are you in survival mode? And she goes based on the seven chakra system. Where are you today? Where are you in when you're at your best? Where are you on where you're coming from on a daily? And where are you when you're in your worst moods, your worst way of operating. And it's very enlightening to track your consciousness and your development. It's really beautiful. I just love, I mean, Jetta Molly is the, oh my gosh, she's probably the, my favorite teacher I've ever come across. And there's thousands of them. There are. Yeah, definitely. Well, as we wrap up the interview, I want to ask you if you can give us some final words of advice for anyone listening today that is struggling or mm. is experiencing anxiety or stress. What would your words of advice be, Dr. Nancy? Find someone who can teach you how to come into the present moment, because that is where the beauty, the power, your power lies. And it's freedom from anxiety because when you're anxious you're either thinking about what happened in the past or worried about what's going to happen in the future and you are not in the present moment and so what i want to say to you bruce is that what you teach and being present and mindful now in the present moment is something that's going to help them so that would be my if you have an app yourself learning mindfulness I don't know of any because I go by learning meditation and being present in the moment uh, right. through my techniques and what I've been taught. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Dr. Nancy. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You are doing so much good on the planet. Thank you so much for having me and for what you're doing because I literally can feel the vibration going out and changing the fabric of our reality. So thank you for what you do and for having me on here and letting me be, me be a part of your show. You're very, very welcome. All the best to you, Dr. Nancy. Bye now. Thank you, Bruce. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode with Dr. Nancy. And if you go to the divine, if you go to trustthedivine.com website, scroll down. Uh, don't miss this because there's a free meditation called You Are Beautiful. And it's a video with a 12-minute meditation and it leads you into your own beauty and I can tell you it is a beautiful meditation because I just listened to it. Also, if you buy Dr. Nancy Wiley's book, Divine Trust, A Practical Guide to End Suffering and Find Your Way Home, you can get four free downloads. You can get the Divine Trust explanation and meditation video, and another is a workbook, Happy for No Reason by Marcy Shimoff, and another is a healing meditation by Dr. Sue Mortar. So check it out. 
check out the book. I highly recommend Divine Trust. It's a quick read. It will really, though, make you think. You may not read it as quickly as you think. That's, that was my first impression, like I mentioned in the interview. So order the book, then get your free downloads. Go to divinetrustbook.com and just take that information and all of what we've learned today on the interview and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.